What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. And excuse us if we are lethargic in this episode. But we have plenty to talk about because this team is in trouble. This is not the way that anyone wanted this season to go. This is a boring team. Uh, It is a team with some players that are playing some terrible basketball, some other players that are playing well despite everyone around them not playing well. Uh, We'll talk about that. And at 9-15... and This team has the third most losses in the Eastern Conference uh, and is tied for the sixth most losses in the NBA with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are actively trying to lose. So that was probably the most depressing opener that I've ever done in this show. And this is probably the hardest show to do in the history of this show because it's very difficult to find any positives. So we're not going to act like there are any there are not many there's there's probably one bright spot in this team that we'll talk about there's one player who is playing his ass off and the rest are not playing well Uh, they might be giving effort but they're not playing well 9 and 15 Alex is probably the worst case scenario for this team coming into the start of the season so is there any way that it could be worse than this I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say anything in case I jinx it. But like an injury, I guess, to one of the other guys would have been the worst way to start it. But you know what's funny? I saw people comparing it to uh, the nine and fourteen Dallas Mavericks from last season, and I was like, "Hang on a second, guys. Let's let's pause the break on that one because we have one piece. Oh, sorry, they have one piece that we don't, and he's pretty good. His name's I think his name's uh, Luca or something like that. He's pretty good at basketball. So I think we should." uh, I think yeah, we should, we should yeah. probably chill on chill on that comparison. Yeah, this is the most grim. I think all three of us can agree this is the most grim as a Pacers fan we've seen it maybe ever. Like, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's so hard to watch Pacers games. Like, it is a chore. Yeah, it is an actual chore. We were talking before the show, Justin, about the most depressing Pacers team that we've seen in our sort of adult lifetime, and. I think it's probably around 07, 08, I think, just after we traded Jermaine O'Neal potentially around that time. But uh, it was the team that featured Mike Dunleavy, uh, Troy Murphy, TJ Ford, Danny Granger did everything he could. Marquise Daniels uh, played a significant role. Jarrett Jack played a significant role. Here it is here. It is 08, 09, 36 and 46. We don't even look like winning 36 games this season as it currently stands. So I actually think that this is one of the most, if not the most depressing start to a season that we've ever had in the time. I'm 35 in the time that we've had watching the team um, because I don't know a world without Reggie Miller. So I know the team was terrible before Reggie came along and terrible in the early, in the late eighties when I was uh, too young to remember. But the first memories I have are seven, eight, nine years old, which is the mid nineties. So probably the most depressing team in my lifetime. Would you agree? 
Yeah, well, the thing about those that team with Danny Granger was, which I didn't mind watching. I watched, you know, all 82 games or I kept up to date with our NBA league pass here in Australia. But I was so invested into that team with Danny Granger yeah. because the team knew their direction. <laughs> the, the fans knew they were rebuilding. The yeah. fans were happy with that because they knew, hey, you know, in three or four years, we could be good. And it was a lead up to that first round series versus Chicago. And then, you know, it was a lead up to beating Orlando in the first round in a few years. And it got exciting. The team doesn't know their direction now. And that's why fans are unhappy. They don't know what what's their goal. No, Nobody knows. Do they, you know, we'll bring up the slogan tough out, you know, but what's their three-year goal? I've been mentioning it for the past three years. Since we started this podcast, I've literally said, what is the Pacers' three-year goal? And that's what's frustrating the fans. You see it online on Twitter, Pacer Nation, you know, the diehard fans who are tweeting, who watch these games nonstop. They're, they're frustrated like, like us three are because this team doesn't know what, which direction they're going. Are they rebuilding or are they trying to win right now? Or are they just trying to compete? You know, let's just say they're trying to compete and it's frustrating. I like I like watching Chris Duarte play. He's he's exciting because he's young and he's, you know, we'll talk about it later, but you know, the Instagram's up and shows passion. I really like that. Outside of that, guys, geez, they're a tough watch, aren't they? They're, they're a real tough watch. Let, let's talk about the, the Duarte post while we're here. I mean, um, so he, he got screwed on a foul call again for the second time in a late game situation in the last week and a half, two weeks. And he was rightly really angry about that and posted that on Instagram and he may get fined. He may get reprimanded from the league, whatever. But the fact of the matter is he was in a position to win us two games, one against the Lakers, one against the Hawks. And he was fouled late. Now that foul result would have resulted in his the opportunity for him to hit free throws that could have won us the game. Um, the odds would have been stacked in our favor due to the late game situations in both of those games. So Alex, he's, he's completely right to be angry about it. And I, I love the fact that he's expressing his anger because this team is a real struggle to watch right now. And it's nice to see the kid cares and wants to do well and wants to get better and, and knows that this is not acceptable. And it was boiling over from the Minnesota game, right? Like he got ejected in the fourth quarter. When was the last time a Pacers player got ejected for arguing with the refs? I actually can't remember. Yeah. So uh, maybe Lance Stevenson saying what <laughs> to Dwayne Wade it was one of the last times someone got ejected. So yeah, it's good to see some some type of passion, which it's sad that it's only coming from your rookie who's played like 20 games. But um honestly, outside of him, I'd say Sabonis, who you know, we we've criticized on the podcast the past year, but I'd say this past week he's been the the standout. Obviously, he had that historic game, but I feel like we have to give Sabonis credit because you look at his arms, he's getting battered, man. He's getting scratched, yeah. he's getting bruised. I mean, he gets no calls, Duarte gets no calls, but yeah, yeah, those two have been playing pretty hard, so I'll give him credit. Debata Sabonis is the the only guy that's you know trying to will us into victory game after game. You you cannot say one bad word about how he has played. Um, he he's basically taken upon himself to put the team on his back. The trouble is that it's not enough. I mean, you can you cannot say that he's not doing everything he can to get a win, but. He is not the best player on a great team. He is the second best player on a great team or the third best player on a great team. Uh, and I, I don't think that's a controversial statement. I also 
think that he tries harder than a lot of players on this team more consistently. Um, I think sometimes people accuse him of stat hunting and, and number padding and that sort of stuff. But fact is he, he gives it his all. He's trying to get every rebound. He's trying to score. He's, you know, he's trying to win games of basketball. Um, and Justin, it's, it's tough to see situations where he's, you know, putting up an historic line as he did a couple of games ago, I think 16, 25 and 10, which is unbelievable. Like we should be leading the show with heralding how good that game was from a statistical perspective, but we're not because we lost and we lost again. We're nine and 15. Like this is, this is unacceptable, even though Domas is doing everything he can. Yeah. And you know, you can stat pad all you want. If you're going to get 16 points, 25 rebounds, 10 assists, only taking uh, 12 shots. Yeah. He impacted the game in so many different ways. Like I've played basketball with a few people who wouldn't have got that stat line in their career um, altogether. So yeah, he's, he's done an amazing job and I'm starting to feel bad for him. Like I was yeah. hot on Domas at the start of the year. And um, I, I, I've said, I've said on the podcast, he just doesn't seem himself. Something's not right, but I don't know if it's whether the coach or I don't know what's going on. Like he's, he's not putting up enough shots. Like you, most people outside of the paces in NBA circles, if you ask them who's the Pacers' best player, I'd feel like majority of players, coaching and stuff would say Sabonis. So if we roll with that, he's not putting up near enough shots. I think there was one game that he took seven shots and then he took nine shots. So I don't know what's going on. I've taken a close watch of him some games because I'm like, all right, I'm just going to watch him for like this whole quarter, see what he does. And I really feel bad for him. Like, there's possessions where he has a clear mismatch in the post. He's calling for the ball. He's not getting the ball. Um, and then on defense, he's working his ass off. And then he's just the guy taking the inbound pass after the opponent scores. And then the paces are off and running and he just misses a chance to be in the offense. So I, I am starting to feel bad for him a bit. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he needs to maybe go back to his old ways where he's putting up 15 to 20 shots a night, but the offense just isn't flowing through him. And, um, yeah, I mean, nothing's going right with this team. They need to change something up. But I read something online, which I want to touch on quickly. And, and I actually do believe I'm talking about the future of the Pacers and where they see themselves. I actually think right now, Rick Carlisle is determining who he wants on his team and who he doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think this is such a transitional year that they're going to see what they've got up until maybe February. And Rick Carlisle is going to give his recommendations like, hey, this is who I want to build my team around. This is who I want. This is who I want gone. This is who we need to bring in. So for any Pacer fans who are maybe, you know, one foot off the bridge right now, I feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and you're probably going to have to suck it up for another month or two. But I feel like the long game is um, is where, we, where, where you're going to look forward to, I think. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's an interesting call. I don't disagree. I think um, if I'm Domas, I'm particularly frustrated by the what seems like a, a lack of the team needing to hit the open man inside. I mean, Caitlin Cooper put up, I think, four different screen ga- screen grabs last week of the game against the Lakers where Malcolm Brogdon had the ball uh, and there was a free player and he was, you know, whoever it was, it was either Domas or Miles in all four of them. Uh, they just didn't get their open shots. I mean, these guys are getting open. These guys are getting mismatches in the post. They're getting opportunities to be able to score and do what they do best. And we're not finding them. We're not sharing the ball well enough. We're not, you know, capitalizing on mismatches, capitalizing on open men. Like it just doesn't seem like for a Rick Carlisle team, the offense is very sophisticated and very, there's no feel to the way that the team plays. It doesn't feel like they're playing together. The best that they've looked is when they share the basketball and potentially wants to overshare the basketball in the way that uh, the way that they play. I mean, the best that they've looked is when they've had the first six baskets, they've had four assists, the first 10 baskets, they've had six assists, you know, that, that, that assist to, to field goal ratio is, is through the roof and they tend to play really well in those situations, or they tend to be ahead on the scoreboard in those situations, but um, it, it's just not happening enough. So I, I do agree to an extent that Rick Carlisle will choose who he wants to have on this team because I think uh, if they haven't already, very soon the, the franchise will concede that they are not a playoff team. They are close enough to the play-in that they will be convincing themselves internally that they are a play-in team. And that's not the playoffs. That's the play-in. But to what end? To get pumped by the eight or nine seed or to get even worse, get swept by the one seed? Like, it's just, why? What is the value in that? I mean, you're averaging the lowest number of fans in the league. I saw a photo today where the, the stands were empty. Why not give your fans some hope by actually building for something in the future? You are not winning a championship this year. You're probably not winning a championship for the next year or the year after that. But the year after that, maybe you've put yourself in a position to contend. I mean... Look at the teams that are on top right now. They all went through periods of duress. Phoenix did. Washington's been a rabble for years uh, and has been able to rebuild their team on the fly. Um, there, there are very few franchises that have gone through sustained periods of making the playoffs year in, year out and built to a championship. The teams that make the playoffs year in, year out tend to be the ones that never win the championship, like us, like Denver for example, they're always just there or thereabouts, but never really getting up there. The fans, I mean, I've I've heard a lot of people talk about how Bally sports is not available to some fans and how it's a a difficult environment to be able to watch Pacers games with the current television situation in, in the States. And that sucks. 
Um, but that's not the reason people aren't going to games. People aren't going to games because there's nothing really to be excited about, Alex. Am I wrong? I mean, what did I say? It's hard for us here in Australia to even put on the TV and go, yeah, yeah let's watch the paces today on the big screen, yet alone actually uh, making the trip down to a game. So, yeah, I, as I said on one of the last episodes, I don't blame people in Indiana for not going to games. I probably wouldn't if I lived there either. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I, and I will say just on what you were talking about there with the post touches, I think you're seeing a part of the problem with why Levert's struggling so much. He's gone away yeah. from what made him productive in May of this year. Like he was having games where he was 10, 11, 12 assists. Uh, yeah. and, and he was feeding Sabonis in the post all the time. He's, he doesn't even look to pass anymore. He gets in the paint. He's taking contested fadeaway shots. He's looking like he's Kobe out there, contested by like four people trying to shoot. Yeah, he, he looks lost out there, man. I, I really don't know what is going on with Levert. If it's like Carlisle's, if he doesn't fit in this system or or what's going on. With the greatest respect to Karis Levert, he is not talented enough to play the way that he is playing. He needs to share the basketball. He cannot take on an entire team on his own. There are only... 10 players in the league that can do that. So that's not a disrespect to Karis LeVert. He's not a top 10 player in the league. That's not a disrespectful comment, but he, no, not many people can play ISO ball or one-on-one -on -one ball like he's playing. He's shooting 40% from the field, which is just borderline diabolical for a What's he shooting from three? Of his What's he shooting from caliber. three? He's currently shooting... 25% from three-point range and 73% from the line. And he shoots so, so many threes, Adam. He shoots so many every game. He shoots 4.6 threes a game. If you compare that to Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm shoots 6.2. That is, that's 10 threes from your backcourt, but you're only making three of them, if that, less. Um. And it's you can't sustain that. You cannot possibly sustain that. I mean, you compare that to to the rookie. I mean, he is currently shooting five and a half three pointers a game, but he's shoot he's hitting thirty six percent of them. You know, around league average. Like that's that's the percentage that you need from your shooting guard if he's going to take uh, a th you know three threes a half. Like you need him to be hitting thirty six percent. He's hitting twenty five percent. You can't win. You can't win when when a guy's shooting forty percent from the field, twenty five percent from three, seventy three percent from the line. I don't know if his back's still bothering him. I don't know whether it's a system thing. I, I know this: Karis Levert is a really talented player, but he's not playing like playing to the talent that he has right now. He's not playing to his capability now. Only he and Rick Carlisle probably know why. I just hope they fix it because. This is Justin really getting a bit ugly. Yeah, it is. And you just bring up the comparisons there. I, I feel a lot more confident when I see Duarte shoot the ball than Levert. Um, if Duarte's pulling out for three, you know, I'm a high level of confidence. That ball's going in with Levert. I'm just like, oh, here we go. Like, clank. You know, he threw up an air ball the other day. It's not great. And, I think we've been patient with him. We mentioned, I think, two weeks ago on the podcast about Levert, and we said, oh, you know, geez, he hasn't looked too good, but, you know, let's give it a few more weeks because he's just come back from his injury. But now I think it's time. You, you nearly have to start asking some questions, don't you? Because he's just looked downright dreadful. And, and great point by you, Alex. I, I do remember those games. He was getting 
10, 12 assists a night and double doubles. And he's not even close to that. He, it's like, he's like a black hole. Like he'll get the ball and it's just the, well, it's not, it's not going out of his hands. It's, it's going to be dribbling, 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 and then a, a stupid shot. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's tough to try and be positive about this team, isn't it boys? But yeah, look, we'll, we'll do our best. I, I, I I'd love to hear from Kevin Pritchard. I know, I know, we're only twenty games in the season, so it doesn't warrant like a GM, president of operations press conference. But I'd love to hear him do an interview with someone and talk about this season because I feel like we've heard, Pacer fans have heard the same, the same jingo bingo for a year, two years, three years. They're not going to put up with it again. I'd love to come out and say, you know, are you meeting expectations right now? Like, because if you're not, what what are we doing about it? Are we so, are we just going to yeah. see out this year as as a failure and then restart, or are we going to try and make some moves before the deadline? And let's talk about that. I mean, look, it's we can play fantasy GM all the live long day, but I do want to talk about a move that each of us thinks would make logical sense. And I think for me, it's not so much a move as a decision. I think you need to make a decision on Turner and Sabonis. You need to make that decision immediately uh, with the highest value that you can get for either. Um, and I think that it is still a debate as to who you keep and who you trade because Domas is so talented that you could potentially get something really, really promising in return. But I think you need to make a decision with one of the two. Uh, the time has come now to say, We've got $40 million locked up in our front court, you know, for the next couple of years. One of these guys is going to leave us when their contract runs out. And based on their demeanor, based on their personality, it's probably going to be Domas at the moment because he he clearly is not necessarily happy with how things are going. doesn't mean he's the guy you trade. You could always turn things around. But I think the time has come to make the decision, Alex. I think the time was probably about two years ago, mate. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I feel like we've, you know, KP's sick of hearing about Tabonis, but there's a reason people keep asking you about it, right? Like everyone around the league knows that it doesn't work, but we keep running it back. So yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But as I've I've said heaps of times, you know, I don't think that that one move will solve everything. No, I got to stress that, you know. But it's a direction. It's a 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm worried though that if they do that, it's just going to be like the most lateral move ever and we yeah. run into the same problem. So, yeah. That's the tough part. I think, you know, Justin, we've talked about how Turner for PJ Washington to be the most lateral move ever and talked about guys like Harrison Barnes that could be available, that sort of thing. Like we get Harrison Barnes, we're still around the level of the Kings in terms of wins and losses which we are right now. So that doesn't necessarily unlock the ability for you to be able to jump straight up into the playoffs. Um, And it it just seems like we need to need to do something to make a choice about the direction of this franchise moving forward. So what, what would you do? Look, I know the Pacers will never do it because we all know they won't, but if I was GM for a week, I'm just, it's it's about the future. I've been a Pacer fan for 21 years. They have never, never conceded, which I empathise and maybe respect a bit that they've never dropped out and tanked or anything like that. But 
you will never succeed in a sporting franchise league like this. They, they need to look at the future. You look at the standings. You mentioned before, Adam, we're, we're the, we are the Oklahoma City Thunder of the Western Conference right now. Yep. How does that feel? We're in the same position as them. They are building towards the future. They just got a number six pick and a, another top 10 pick. They're, their whole starting five are young players. I, I just, you could name all 30 teams in the league and I could tell you what direction they're heading in. Paces are the probably one where it's like they're just stuck in no man's land. Where are they going? If I'm the jam for a week, I I nearly offload. I offload Sabonis and I would have offloaded Brogdon. Obviously, they can't now with the with his contracts negotiations. I know that seems harsh, but this team needs a major, major shakeup. Pacers fans need to wake up. Even if you hate the players they bring in, even if you think they're terrible, even if you don't think we got good value in draft picks we got, Pacers need to wake up with a fresh start. Pacers fans need to be excited by this team again because Pacers do have an amazing fan base. I've been there. I've lived it. I've seen it in person. I know so many people over there. People love this team in Indiana so much. Like, it matters to people in Indiana. And right now, it's it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing to be a Pacers fan again. It's embarrassing. You know, no one's going to the games. I feel like when we try to run our test for Pages Stoakovich, like, that was like a new direction. And, you know, although Ron was a better player, it gave me hope and, oh, a fresh start. You know, they're, they're trying something new. The pace it made... We've, we've run it back for three years. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. Like, I'm sorry if I'm going off rogue here a bit, but I'm sick and tired of it. Like, we hear the same nonsense year in, year out. Year in, year out about this. They need to do something and they need to get some fresh face, fresh blood in there because this this roster's awful. I'm sorry. It, it just is. It, they're not gelling. I feel like individually, they're all great people. They're all great players. For whatever reason, it's not working. And I swear, if we're at this point next year, having the same conversation, I I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. Someone, I forget whether it was on a podcast or in a tweet, said that the Pacers wanted to be a tough out, but instead they're tough to watch and out of the playoffs. So... I mean, that's that encapsulates the season that we've had right now. I'm sorry I didn't give credit to whoever made that comment, but it stuck with me. Is uh, it's definitely not me. It's not my comment. Alex, what would you do? Got to be the magic man. I look at the Orlando Magic as like the formula. That's the blueprint the Pacers should follow. They they realize that Vucevic, Gordon, Fournier, like all serviceable players, right? Like Vucevic was an all star. Aaron Gordon, a solid two way guy. Fournier's been terrible this year, but. At his best, he's like a 15-point scorer, right? But they were a perennial first-round exit. Yeah. Or they were just missing the playoffs. And they said, no, like, this is stupid. Why are we running this team back? They invested in their future. RJ Hampton, uh, Wendell Carter, they've given Mo Bamba the reins, and he's balling out. Cole Anthony's Two really top good. 10 picks this, season, Vog- this past yeah, draft. And, and Vogner looks amazing, right? So yep. they've invested in their future. <clears throat> and... I literally like, I would rather watch the magic every day of the week than watch the paces. So I think that that's the, the, as Justin said, they kind of did that, right? Like they traded all their starters. I, uh, I think that's what they got to do. Not a fun note to end on, but unfortunately the Orlando magic are a little bit more fun to watch than the Indiana paces. Let's hope the next week we can at least have a couple of wins on the board and we can have some positive stuff to talk about. Duarte can go off. My man O'Shea Brissett can get some more minutes. Who knows what the next week will bring. 
at least the next few games are at home. We've been the Pacers. We'll catch you again next week, hopefully to talk some positive Pacers basketball.